Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, February 26th, 2023, we continue our new series titled Knowing Jesus, the Gospel of Luke. Today's sermon, God's Larger Story, will be taught to us by Pastor Kevin Yule out of Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 80. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. This is what God does. He uses humble, ordinary people like me and like you who are willing to humble themselves and realize, man, I'm not much. This is what God calls us to do. And we start asking the question, well, how? How do we magnify the Lord in just the everyday, ordinary space of our life? Well, Mary did it right here. It's a great example. She wants Elizabeth to see, here's who God is. Here's his attitudes. Here's what he's done. Here's his actions. She talks about God being merciful. He is a provider. He's exalted the lowly. We humble ourselves. We ask God for opportunities to serve him, to be used by him. And when we see those opportunities and have those opportunities, we take them to magnify the Lord. We magnify Christ. We magnify Christ alone. Amen. So before we dive into, into the book of Luke, let me, let me set it up for you by kind of giving you this illustration. Maybe this will help make sense of it for you. I don't know if you guys remember, but a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Super Bowl was in town. Anybody remember this? Any Eagles fans trying to forget, right? Oh, too bad. Super Bowl was here, and about 800,000 of our closest friends from back east in the Midwest were all out here together. And there was a unique experience going on downtown in the convention center called the NFL Experience. And when you've got uh, a 10-year-old little boy who loves Jesus, his family, and then football, uh, you decide, hey, I'm going to take him down to the NFL experience. And so me and my son, Caden, got tickets. The only days we could get tickets for were Saturday. And so I decided, you know what, we're going we're gonna to Disneyland this thing. We're going to get there before it opens, be the first ones in the gate, try and experience everything it has to offer us before the masses show up. And when everyone else gets there, we'll have done it all and be out. So we get in the car, tickets are, get us in the gate at 10. So we get in the car, we pull into the parking lot about 9, 12. Plenty of time to be first in line. I get out the car, look around, and the mass of humanity that has already infiltrated downtown Phoenix blows my mind. And my little 10-year-old Caden's like, Dad, hurry up, we gotta go, we gotta get in, we gotta get in. All right, bud, calm down. Follow the herd. And so like sheep, just we just follow the masses. And about two minutes from the car, I get a text on my phone that says, you need to download this app in order to be able to partake in anything that's going on inside. Now, I don't want to be the dad that's sitting there when my 10-year-old's like, I want to go do that. Hold on, son. I got to figure out how to. So as we're walking, I'm on my phone trying to get the password correct for the NFL One app. I can't remember what 18-digit code I put in there when I signed up forever ago. And so we're going, following the herd. I got my head down in my phone. Finally, right as we come around the corner to the gates of the NFL experience, I guess the right password, and we are in. And we get in there, and man, we are kicking field goals. We are catching punts. We are throwing balls into giant hoops and diving into tackling dummies. I mean, it was great. He loved it. About 145-ish, it got so crowded, you couldn't move without doing this. And so he looks at me and goes, Dad, I'm getting kind of hungry, finally. 
let's, uh, let's go get something to eat. I said, what do you want to eat? They got lots of stuff here. He goes, Dad, I kind of want in and out See, that's good discipleship right there. <laughs> said, all right, bud, let's leave and let's go to in and out And so we kick open the doors to the exit and we walk outside and all of a sudden I realize I don't have any idea where we parked. And I look this way and there's a bunch of gray and brown buildings and I look at this way and there's a bunch of brown and gray buildings and Caden says, Dad, I'm hungry, let's go. All right, son, it's this way. And so off we go. And we must have walked, I don't know, Downtown Phoenix is an interesting place, but it gets more and more interesting the further out you get from the events that are taking place. So we got to a, a not-so-safe part of the, and I said, ah, this ain't it, we gotta go back. So we go back the other way, and I said, it must have been this way. So we go down this way, maybe another three blocks. No, this isn't it. An hour and 15 minutes we spend circling downtown Phoenix looking for my car. And my little 10-year-old is taking in all that downtown Phoenix has to offer, which is a lot for a 10-year-old little boy. You're seeing some things that you don't normally see up here. And he's starting to get hungry, and he's starting to get a little overwhelmed by everything that's going on. And I can get a little frustrated and, and discouraged. And so in an act of humility, I call Brooke. I say, Brooke, here's the deal. I can't find the car. You're gonna have to come down and pick us up and drive us around until we can find it. And Brooke says, oh, okay, that's perfect. I'm at my parents' house. I'll send my dad. I want to hand my man card over to my father-in-law and say, I don't know where the car is. Thanks for driving me around for an hour. So I tell Brooke, that's all right. I'll figure it out. Hang up on her. We sit down on the ground. We're sitting on the street in downtown Phoenix up against this wall. And I got my phone out. And the map is nothing but a bunch of blue lines and president's names. I don't know where I'm going. And then I realized there's a little button on the right side of my Google Maps that if you hit it, all of a sudden, it can take you to satellite view. So I hit that button, and all of a sudden, the buildings that were in front of me that I could not see around, that I couldn't get past, that I had no idea what was on the other side, all of a sudden, I'm looking down from 80,000 feet, and I see us, and I see the giant square buildings between us and what looks like a parking lot where we parked. So I tell Caden, one last try, bud, follow me. We're going to find it. And about five minutes later, sure enough, there it is, gray Toyota Corolla. We did it! (laughs) Hopped in that car, ate copious amounts of in and out, and saved my dignity for a little bit, right? I tell you that story to say this. Sometimes I I don't know if life's really a whole lot different. We're down here in the midst of our smaller story and we are sitting on the street looking at a bunch of buildings and having no idea what the future holds, what's on the other side or where we are going and the God of the universe is up there 80,000 feet above writing a much larger story and we're just a part of it. And in the midst of us going, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go, maybe there's some promises in God's word that might be an encouragement to us. Because when we find ourselves in those moments and we're panicked and we're afraid and we're anxious and we don't know what's going on and we feel out of control, there's great comfort to know that the God of the universe is looking down upon us going, I got you, I'm in this. Our friend Zechariah has spent the last 10 months unable to speak, unable to hear after his interaction in the temple. And I think in those 10 months, God got a hold of his heart and maybe helped him realize Zechariah, you're gonna be, your smaller story is gonna, gonna change significantly with the birth of this child. But I'm doing something much bigger. Something much bigger. 
Because Zechariah's prayer is not going to be fixated on his smaller story. He's going to give praise and glory and honor to God's much larger story. And I think there's some encouragement in there for us. So I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to dive into our time in the Word. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you. God, as always, man, I thank you for this book. Thank you for the truth that it is, the foundation it is to stand upon. God, I pray this morning as we dive into it that you would reveal to us exactly what your spirit wants. God, that you would lead and guide our thoughts. God, for some of us here, uh, as have already been, men- been mentioned, God, if we come in in a dark place, God, we're in the weeds, we don't know what's going on, but you have us here for a reason. God, I pray that you would encourage our hearts and our souls. God, I pray that you would bring to remembrance your promises and your scripture and to pick us up to remind us of who you are and who we are to you. God, for those here that can't wait to celebrate who you, all that you've done, God, let us not be shy about bragging on you, giving you all the praise and all the glory. So whatever you choose to do in the next few minutes, God, we thank you in advance for how you're gonna move, how you're gonna be at work. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So yeah, we're gonna wrap up Luke chapter one. We're gonna be in verse 57. If you were here a couple weeks ago, as I shared, Zechariah walks into the temple, he starts praying, and all of a sudden, an angel shows up, says, you're gonna have a son. He says, well, how can that be? And the angel goes, shh, and basically makes him mute. Can't hear, can't speak for 10 months. Give you a point of reference. What'd you do last Easter? Wherever you were last Easter until this morning, imagine from Easter until now, you've been unable to speak and unable to hear. Imagine how much life has gone by in the last 10 months, how much you've seen, how much you've experienced, how much interaction you've had with others and they with you. And imagine for those 10 months, you've been unable to speak or hear. That's where Zechariah has been. Completely mute. Unable to celebrate the fact that he's finally gonna have a kid to tell his buddies it's happening. Can't say any of it. Just mute. God working on his heart and on his soul. So we pick it up here, chapter one, verse 57. It says, now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy on her and they rejoiced with her. No different than today. Go to a baby shower and you bring a bunch of gifts and you just celebrate the fact that a baby has been born. You did it. So all the relatives are around, all the family is around, all the people from the hill country have come out to celebrate this birth. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And with puzzled looks on their face, they look at her and say, none of your relatives is called by this name. You must be wrong, let's ask dad. So then verse 62, they made a sign to his father inquiring what he wanted to be, him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. Now verse 64 is gonna say, immediately, immediately Zechariah in 10 months, unable to speak, he opens his mouth, his tongue is loosed and he spoke blessing God. We'll get to what he said in just a second. But look at what happens after he begins to speak. Verse 65, and fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And they all who heard them laid up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of God was with him. Something crazy is happening and 
all the people that showed up, they leave telling everybody else, you're never gonna believe it. She finally had a kid. Really? She's old. I know. Their husband, is he still mute? No, he can talk now. And you're just... God is already setting the stage for him to be at work. His larger story is being revealed. Even in this eight-day-old child, word is spreading that something is up. Something new is coming. And they ask, well, man, what's gonna be of this child? If this stuff's happening eight days into his life, what's gonna happen to this kid when he grows up? God getting ready, paving the way for great things. And so here's his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. First words uttered after 10 months of silence, what's he gonna say? He's gonna say four things. I almost blew it. All you type A'ers, you guys type A'ers out there, you like to take notes? I'm gonna give you all your notes up front because I'm not a good note taker and I've been encouraged to get better at outline. So here's your outline, right? Four things Zechariah's gonna do. He's gonna take us. He's gonna look at past promises. Don't forget what God has promised to you in the past, how he's been faithful in the past. And then he's gonna look to God's future promises. Don't forget what God has promised for us in the future. And then he's gonna spend a lot of time looking at God's present reality and how God has blessed him in this son and what the blessings of our present circumstances can be. And then he's gonna remind us to look at the character and nature of who God is. Don't forget who God is. Here's why I think this is important for us. Some of you are gonna be sitting on a curb looking at a bunch of buildings having no idea what's going on. No idea where to go. So in the weeds, overwhelmed. Maybe you walk in here today and that's your, that's your spirit. Man, I'm just, I'm discouraged. I'm down, I'm frustrated, I'm, I'm insecure, I'm anxious. I don't know what's going on. I feel out of control. Maybe this is a recipe for us. Can we, talk, can we stop? Can we look back at some of the promises God has made for you as his kid I got a bunch of scripture on the wall in my office and oftentimes I will look at it and I'm just reminded, Romans 8, 31, God is for me, who could be against me? Hebrews 13, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Even when I take God to some dark places in my own sinful flesh, God says I'm never gonna leave you, never gonna give up on you. That's a past promise. Gives me a little bit of a different perspective in the here and now. Maybe the future We sit here, we look at the world around us and we go, God, what are you waiting for? And he would say, there's nothing new under the sun. I'm patient. I don't want anyone to perish, so I'm patient. But Kevin, I want to remind you, I got a future waiting for you. I got a place where there will be no more tears. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more pain. You will sit in my presence as we just got done singing about 10,000 hallelujahs will be declared and then it will just be getting started. Because you're gonna be in my presence and I'm gonna make all things new. This old that I've created that you find so much joy in that you work so hard to stay at, you're gonna end up in eternity with God and go, man, I, uh, what was I so desperate to stay here for? This is incredible. Future promises. Can we look around even at the, at the weeds of our life, the hard things in our life and go, okay, God, this, this is hard. This is hard and not fun, but I can see you're you're at work. You're writing your larger story even in the midst of this circumstance. 
And if all that fails, can we find ourselves picking our eyes up and just saying, God, would you remind me? Would you remind me right now who you are? Remind me of your character. That's what Zechariah is gonna do as he prays over his little boy and the people there. Here's what he says in verse 68. Let's look at the past first. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Let's go back. Who is God? Don't forget, he is the God of Israel. He has visited and redeemed his people. And he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Do you see what Zechariah is doing? He's looking back and going, wait, wait a minute. God, you promised on page four of your Bible that the future would come, that through Abraham's child, all the world would be blessed. And that's about to happen. He's remembering past promises and how God has been faithful and God is in the, in the habit of fulfilling his promises over and over and over again. And so Zechariah goes, hey, let's not forget who God is, what he has promised for us as a nation. And he did it then, and so that gives him confidence in the here and now. Invokes names like David, God of Israel, speaks of the prophets from of old. He's going back to the past. But then we get to verse 71 through 75 as he looks to the future. What is it these prophets have declared? Well, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us. To show mercy, promise to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Man, you see future promise here. The promise he swore to his father Abraham, not just to inherit the land and to have all of that, but that we might serve God without fear. This reeks of, of, of the promise that Jesus says, when we sit before God and we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, come and enter your rest. That we, as sons and daughters of God, might have the privilege and honor of serving the king in eternity. And that is a future promise that maybe helps us have a perspective a little higher up than the here and now, to be able to realize that right now, whatever you're going through, we put that, that psalm up on the screen, why are you in turmoil, O oh my soul? If you're there, your soul is in turmoil. If today is a day where you just go, man, I, I don't know if I can make it, to sit in that before the Lord and go, God, thank you that today is not forever, that now is not forever, but eternity is coming. And when you call me home or you come back for me, God, that I will be with you forever and ever. And maybe that gives us a little hope, a little encouragement. That's what Paul talked about, Ephesians, right? Blessed are you. Don't forget at a time when you had no hope without God in the world, but now through Jesus Christ, you have great hope. Hope of eternity. Zechariah begins to look to the future. And now finally, First words he's going to utter about his boy in verse 76. He says this, and you, child, you will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Eight days old, holding this little man in his hands, and this is what he says You're going to become a prophet of the Most High you're gonna to begin to turn people's hearts back to the Lord. That is a bold 
declaration to make over an eight-day-old child. I've got six kids. Best I've ever done is, I hope you end up better than me. That's as bold as I've ever gotten. To pray this over his child with confidence and conviction. Why? Because he knows God's doing what he said he was going to do. Not only through the angel, but all of a sudden, over this 10 months, he started to put things together. Wait, God is at work in an incredible way. In fact, everything that we've read about in scripture, everything that we've learned about, all that the people, even back in Abraham's day, were talking about is starting to come to fulfillment, and my boy gets to be a part of it. He begins to see the blessing in the current reality that he's in. And then verse 78 and 79, we get to the character of God. Why is all this going to happen? Why has John been sent to pave the way for the Lord? Well, verse 78 tells us why. Because of the tender mercy of our God. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Why is God pursuing us? Why is God chasing us so hard? Why is God breaking into Humanity after 400 years of, of what some would say is silence because of his mercy, because of his great mercy. He's no different for any of us. Some of you guys have testimonies that you would share. I've heard some of them, even just in my little time here. You've come up to me and said, man, can I tell you, I was eight years old and I was, in, I was at some church. My grandmother drug me to church and I just felt like God was after me then. I spent the next 50 years of my life chasing everything this world had to offer, but God never gave up on me. He kept chasing me because that's what God's in the habit of doing. God never stops chasing us. He's always pursuing us. Why? Because it's his character. He's a merciful, gracious, loving father that's gonna pursue you no matter where you take him to the furthest degree because he's always chasing us. The only difference between some of us in this room and others is that some of us at some point have stopped letting God chase us and we've just stopped. And we've turned to the Lord and he scooped us up because of our faith in Jesus Christ and brought us into his family. Some of us here, maybe you're still running. God's not gonna stop chasing. He's not gonna stop chasing. What's Paul say to Timothy? God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of truth. God's after all of us. Question is, when it's all over and we kneel before his throne, one question he's gonna ask is, what'd you do with Jesus? What'd you do with my son? See, that's the, that's the determiner of which way we go for eternity, where our hope lies. Is it in Jesus Christ or is it in anything else? But God's tender mercy is why he came to pursue us, to chase after us. And so let me read verse 79 in one of two ways, either you're here today and you are uh, a child of God. Maybe you're a child of God, you're a son or daughter of God, you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but if you're honest, you might say like I've said multiple times, God, I, I'm, in, I'm in darkness. I feel like I'm in the shadow of death. There is no peace, there is no certainty. I, I am absolutely at angst in my own soul right now and I don't know what to do. Well. Maybe that's where you're at. If you, hear, if you hear these words and hear what Jesus, what God is calling out to us, he's saying, look, Jesus Christ came to give light to those of us that sit in that space of darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This isn't a matter of us conjuring it up. 
Nothing given here for us to do, simply to submit our lives to the Lord. And so when you're in those seasons, maybe you're here, you're angry at God, you're, you're broken, I don't know what it is. I don't know what your smaller story has you in now, but I know this, God's writing a larger story. And he's a good father. I should have counted. Tim counted how many times King James says a thousand. I should have counted. How many times does the Bible refer to God as our good shepherd, our good father? Abounding in steadfast love. Unending grace. These are the character traits of God. Not the ones that you want to make up, that you want to say, this is who I want God to be. The ones that the word of God says he is abounding in steadfast love, always gracious, abounding in mercy. That's who God is. And if you're in the weeds today, if you're in a place of inner turmoil and you just go, man, I don't know how to get out of it because, Kevin, you keep talking about past promises. I think about those, but that happened long ago. And this idea of the future, eh, that seems like forever away. I'm in it now. Read Psalm 13. Psalm of David. Shaking his fist at God. God, you're gonna be angry at me forever? How long will you forget me, O Lord? There's a raw emotion in David's psalm to God. And yet David ends that psalm the same way we should as well. God, I'm not happy with you. I don't love my circumstance right now, but I'm gonna trust in your unfailing love. Why? Because God had proven it to him? Not in that moment. Circumstances were not good. He was getting chased around the wilderness for something he didn't do. But you know why I could say that? Because God's good. God's good regardless of our circumstance. He's good because it's who he says he is. As First John tells us, God is love. In his very nature, he is love, and he loves you. He's pursuing you. As a son or daughter of God, maybe that is the greatest prayer you could make today. God, before I leave this room, would you remind me who you are to me and who I am to you? Remind me of your goodness and remind me what it means to be your kid. Maybe that gives us 40,000 foot perspective. Maybe there's others here today and you sit here and you go, I, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why my smaller story has me sitting in church today. Maybe this was for some of you, your friends invited you. We're gonna go to lunch after this and this is your penance for getting a free lunch as you gotta sit through this. I don't know. But can I tell you this? That might be part of your smaller story. God's got you here for a much bigger reason. He's chasing you. He's chasing all of us. And maybe today, this Jesus that we've got done singing about for the front end of our service, this Jesus that John is gonna pave the way for, this merciful God that's coming down and saying, you know what, enough. I'm gonna do something about your problem. And God comes to earth in Jesus Christ. You're gonna, read, you're gonna hear all about it next week. But God comes to earth in Jesus Christ and says, I'm gonna fix what you guys could never fix on your own. And so here he comes. Here comes Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know why you're here, I think it's because of this. I think God wants to grab your soul. He wants to move in your heart. He wants to reveal the beauty of his gospel. Here is the gospel as simply as I know it. You and me, we are not perfect. We have done a bunch of silly things. You can call them bad decisions, dumb things. The Bible calls it sin. Sin is simply this. Anytime God says, this is what I want, this is perfection, and we look at that and go, neat idea, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna think this way. I'm gonna treat other people this way. I'm gonna pursue what I want over what you want. Insert anything in there, that's sin. God can't have it. And we've all got it. 
And for thousands of years, God watched mankind continue to live in this state until Jesus comes. Jesus Christ is God on earth. God saying, enough is enough. I'm gonna fix what you couldn't. And so God comes down to earth in the form of Jesus. He lives a perfect life. Perfect, because he's God. And at the end of his life, they would nail him to a cross and he would die for our sins. And we look at that and we, we get so wrapped up in the physical pain in which he suffered. And he suffered physical pain, absolutely. But I have nothing compares to the wrath of God that he bore for every stupid thing I've ever done. The 100 things stupid I did yesterday and the 500 I'm gonna do stupid between now and I go to bed. We were all sinners and we all got stuff. Jesus Christ paid for all of it. So when God calls us home or comes back for us, he's gonna ask that one question. Where'd you put your faith? Did you put it in yourself? Try and be good enough? Or did you have the humility to recognize you weren't perfect? You needed a savior and you found that in my son, Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. They put him in the ground and then he beat death. Seated at the right hand of God, interceding for me now because I'm his kid. So what does it look like to become a part of God's family? It means simply that. God, you've been chasing me. I know that. I'm done running. I just want to stop right now. I want to kneel before the feet of your son, Jesus, and picture it mentally. You're just at the feet of the cross, Just saying, God, I know I'm not perfect, but your son was. And I want to put my faith in your son, Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the mercy of God on display in his son, the very one that John is going to prepare the way for. Do you know him? Do you know him? How do you get out of darkness? How do you get out of the shadow of death? How do you find your feet being guided to the way of peace? It's not through going to 100 Bible studies. It's not through joining the church. It's through Jesus Christ, period. If you're here today and you want to know Jesus Christ in that way, I'm going to encourage you, before you leave here today, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. There's a prayer team up front. It's intimidating to walk up front. I get that, but they're here. All they want to do is look you in the eye and go, welcome to the family. If you want to talk to some people outside at the welcome table, Ed will be out there. He'd love to meet you, to walk with you in whatever's next for your journey. Brendan, guy who was up here on the mic earlier, introvert. And our staff meeting this week goes, I would never talk to anybody. Good to know. If that's you, and the idea of, man, God's stern in my soul, but I don't want to talk to anybody. That scares me to death. It's fine. There'll be a number. There's a number on the screen. Shoot us a text. Hey, I'd love to talk to somebody. And from the comfort of your phone, just chat with us. You're not joining this church. You're not. Joining God's family, something far bigger. This church, small story. God's kingdom, big story. God wants nothing more than for you to be a part of it. I think that's why he's got you here today. For all of us, before I pray, before we close out our time, let me challenge you. Life's coming. Life's coming to the Yule family in this last, since Christmas. Hard stuff, not easy stuff. Grinding right now with some really hard things. What's God up to? I don't know. I don't know. We pray a lot. We ask God to move a lot. And when God doesn't seem to be moving and bad reports continue to come in, I find myself often sitting on the curb, looking at a bunch of buildings, shaking my fist, going, God, what are you up to? And something that has encouraged my soul is to remember, all right, God, you promise you're not going to leave us. You're with us. You're with us in that hospital room. You know what you're doing. 
Let me trust you. And God, whatever you choose to do in this story, I can say without a shadow of a doubt, I know what awaits on the other side and where my hope lies. That does bring me some comfort. So in the midst of the present, I can look from that hospital room and go, all right, God, you're up to something. I don't know what it is, and I'd change the circumstances if you put me in charge just for a moment, but I'm not. You are, and you're good. So I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. Maybe when you find yourself in those moments, sitting on a curb, unsure where to go, maybe the past, maybe the future, maybe asking God to reveal his story in the present, maybe that helps. And when it doesn't, don't forget who God is. What's Isaiah 66, one tell us? He rests his feet on earth like it's a footstool. He's a big God. He's writing a big story. Don't forget who he is. Let me pray for us. Close out our time. God, thank you. God, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises you've made, God, that every one of us in here that knows your son, Jesus Christ, God, without a doubt, we know that you are with us, that you are for us, that you are gonna walk every step with us from now into eternity. Thank you for the comfort that brings. God, I pray that you would remind me this week of your character. God, remind me of your goodness. Show me. God, give me eyes to see what you're up to in my life. God, I pray the same for my brothers and sisters here. God, those that are here today, God, if there's any struggling, any in the weeds right now, God, would you give them great comfort. God, certainly even as we sing this next song, God, let us realize, understand, and with certainty know Our confidence is in you. You've never failed us. God, for anybody here, maybe you're stirring in their heart, their soul, you want to call them into your family. God, they're they're wrestling in their spirit. God, give them courage to talk to somebody, a friend they came with, one of us up front. God, don't let them leave without putting words to what you're doing in their life. God, whoever they choose to speak with, give them great discernment and wisdom. Give them the ability to communicate the beauty of your gospel in a profound way. So God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're gonna continue to do. God, hear us now as we worship you through song. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Amen. I pray this is one of those times where your mind and your heart can engage in song together. to be able to have that line in the back of your mind as you leave here today. Uh, I'm still in your hands. You're in the hands of the almighty, merciful, loving God. And he's never failed us yet. Can we put our confidence and our trust and our hope in the God of the Bible? Man, I hope so. And when we do, man, there's great encouragement there. There's an uplifting of our spirit. No matter what's going on here and now, we can see things from a different perspective. That's the beauty of what it means to be God's kid. If you're here today, you need to talk to somebody. We'll be up front. We'd love to pray with you. Uh, We'd love to encourage you. Find somebody at the welcome table. We'd love to walk with you in that journey. Uh, But you guys are going to hear often from me whenever I'm up here at the end. Uh, we got to get really good at loving each other in this place. One of the greatest things God has given to us, short of the Holy Spirit, his son Jesus Christ, and his word, is each other, the body of Christ. Be the body of Christ today. Service is not over till you love somebody. Love somebody on your way out. We're gonna have a, we have a bunch of food out here. You know why we do food? So you guys can stick around, be a family together, love one another. I'll tell you this, there's a lot of U of A fans that could use some love today. So if nothing else, encourage them. <laughs> Lift them up a little bit because they're, they're having a tough day. 
But love somebody before you leave. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you guys all next weekend.